You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Welcome again, everybody, to True University. My name is Steve Eden, and the truest thing about you is what God says about you. I have a wonderful guest today. His name is Don Wheeler, who was uh, an elder at Grace Church back in the day for a handful of years and also uh, led us in worship and has been a worship pastor uh, even since his time with us. But Brother Don, uh, welcome this morning. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. You know, Don, you helped me a great deal in a lot of different revelations, things that, as we were talking the other day, are still part of the fabric of Grace Church and what we try to press into or impart to each and every Christ follower that the Lord graciously sends our way. Um, But one revelation in particular is where I want to start today, and that is Christ inside, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, can you tell us a little bit of the revelation that you began to, I guess maybe how and when you began to get that revelation and how it helped you? Sure. So when I first became born again and made Jesus Lord of my life, I was involved in a word of faith type of church, a Rhema identified church. Okay, yeah. And uh, so most of what we learned, I learned a lot of great spiritual truths and mm-hmm. But we focused a lot on the idea of faith and how faith works and how we work faith, et cetera. Oh, yeah. So that was primarily a foundation for me. And of course, at the time I was in the Air Force and the Air Force sent me over to South Korea for a year. And when I went to South Korea, I joined a fellowship over there and a gentleman there began to share things that sounded foreign to me. <laughs> and... uh I, I didn't understand them. And he was talking about Christ's life and Christ being the, the life of the believer. And oh my. The, he, he talked about being in him and how many times the scripture said in whom and what those <laughs> things meant. And for some time, because I had already in some ways had a prejudice just based on my ignorance, I couldn't grasp it. Yeah. And uh, so, but we had a great relationship and I was I was uh, having a conversation with him, and I said, you know, I I just don't get this. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just I don't saying. know that I believe this uh, <laughs> because you know I believe in faith in God, and I believe all the foundational truths that I learned. Right. And uh, and but he challenged me. He said something that uh, really helped me. Okay. He said it's not a problem that you're not able to understand <laughs> it. He said you're not willing to understand it. <laughs> And I said, what do you mean? I, and it was offensive. I'm right. like, look, I'm willing to learn hey, anything right. God has. You see. But he said, he said, no, I, I really believe that you're challenged because you lack a, a level of trust that the Holy Spirit is your teacher and that he can teach you whether this is true or not true. Oh, wow. Well, that's a profound statement right there. Yeah. So, so I went back to my barracks room after that conversation and I just got before the Lord. And I said, you know, I'm kind of struggling over this, but I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to trust you to teach me whether these things he's saying is true or not true. And I'm asking that if it's not true, please protect me, guard me from things that aren't true. Yeah. And so I just sat there for a moment and I just had this impression to start reading Galatians. Mm, Okay. And so I began to read in Galatians and this is when, uh, this truth about the Christ life flooded my understanding. And as far as I'm concerned, is one of the greatest revelations yeah, that a believer can, uh, that they can really uh, come into understanding of. And 
I'm still, he's still working that out in me right. of the ramifications of, of what I'm talking about. And if we, if we don't grasp the understanding and then the participation with not just concept, but conception of it, that, that Christ is alive and well on the inside of us, that there's this internal union, this internal intimacy uh, that we can abide in, right? John 15, we abide in him and he abides in us, which means live, remain, stay. If Are we are we not subjugated then and just left with religion? I mean, if it's not, if it's not him working within us, you know, only he can be him, right? Okay, so if, if we don't grow in our understanding and our participation of this revelation, this truth. And I, you know, I don't want it to live in the intellectual realm of our understanding. I want it to live in our heart, you know, where we're receptive in our, in our soil, in our spirit towards the reality, sorry, the reality of Christ living inside of us. Aren't we just left with kind of dead works and self-effort? Well, I think it's a progressive revelation. I think, yes, there is Ultimately, if we're not walking by his life in us, that yeah. we're probably self-generating, that right. we're taking religious ideas and thoughts and trying to perform for God in a way that we're hope we, we're pleasing. Yeah. Many it's a natural thought. Most people, if you ask them, Hey, are you gonna go to heaven when you die? And they would say to you, Well, I'm hoping I did the you know, as <laughs> more goods than bad. That's et right. Uh -huh. And so they it's all based on a self-effort, self-work. Right. And whereas the revelation of Christ destroys all that and yeah. brings us into an understanding that God's better than we thought, that God's <laughs> right. able to do what we couldn't, and that he did it by placing his son inside of us. Yeah. And so, but before I had that revelation, most of what I was looking for God to do was outside of me, yeah. but to me and for me. Oh my goodness. And yes. I think most of us, even the way we preach the gospel often tends to cause us to go that direction. Hey, right. you know, you're having trouble. Come to God and God will fix your troubles. Right. You know, so all this work outside of us so we can have peace and right. we can have good circumstances, which give us peace. As a matter of fact, you know, when I when I first was a believer in Jesus was really as a teenager. OK. And so I had always called myself a Christian. Yeah. Because I believe that uh, we needed a savior. I had heard that idea somewhere. Right. And so I was, you know, just assenting to the idea that I want Jesus. I want to be a Christian. I, I believe in Jesus. And I thought that was the extent of it. We believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. But I had no ability to live anything other than a car. <laughs> I was a professional carnal person. <laughs> Me too, man. I have coffee mugs and T-shirts from the amount of years of my self-effort yes. of trying to be like him apart from him. Now, what's crazy is he was in me. He yeah. came in me at age 13. When I prayed that prayer in my own bedroom, I invited him to come in, but I had no idea that he wanted to express his life and spirit through me. So I did what, unfortunately, many people do in the American church today. We we invite him in, we receive him, but then we tuck him away over here in the corner while we go do things that we think are pleasing to him instead of learning a life of reliance upon his life and his spirit, etc. So how did it, this is a great question for you. How'd that work for you when, <laughs> when you were a teenager and you were trying, you know, on your own to? Well, it didn't work for me. Right. It was a momentary <laughs> idea. I, that's why I call it as fans. I'm not sure there was real faith involved in it, but I had a <laughs> sense of belief in a God. Uh, okay. And I'd heard his name was Jesus, but I wasn't sure who Jesus was. I didn't 
I wouldn't have known him if he walked in the room or anything like that. But yeah, oh, that's a great statement. It's one of those uh, realities that you come to, and and I I say this, I want to say this carefully. I don't yeah. want to you know offend anyone, but I probably will. But I apologize <laughs> up front. It's not my purpose. Write but, Don. Don't write me. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I don't have an address, so you have to write Pastor Steve. So the scripture talks about that the way that we're saved is by believing uh, that that Christ died on the cross and right. and then rose again. Well, not only that, but that confessing that He's Lord. Right. Yes. And I had no concept of lordship. Hmm. And I think there's even a challenge that when we get the concept of lordship, that that still means somehow I'm serving him in a self-effort performance. Yeah. But the the revelation mm. that set me free from all all of that self-effort yeah. was the revelation that Paul, the apostle Paul talked about. Okay. And he called it the revelation of Christ. Mm-hmm. He didn't say a revelation about Christ. He, he, didn't, the he didn't say the, the ten Christ. principles of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He said, I had a revelation of him. Mm-hmm. And then in Galatians, it goes on to say uh, that in, in chapter 1, verse 15, it says, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me. And I didn't. For so many times I had read that, I didn't see the clarity of what he just said. Yeah. Because I didn't understand. I didn't have that concept within me. I was ignorant. And I think so many of us are really, we're not bad. (laughs) We're just ignorant. (laughs) Right. And so we're still trying to animate our lives like him. And Paul, you know, eventually in Galatians 2, he says, hey, it's no longer I that live. His identity was lost. And when we look at the scripture, and this is, I'm going to say this, and I'm not holding this to you know, a theological truth that I'm going to yeah. fight for. But when it says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, there's the idea that, well, God was there at my birth. He had a purpose for me mm-hmm. from that po- point. Mm-hmm. And I would say, yeah, I can see that that could be what this is saying. But what I see in that is something even beyond that, which is that God, it pleased God to remove my identity of my natural birth. Ah, okay. That the nature that I was Mm -hmm. given from my parents no longer was the nature that was animating my life. Kind of like separated me from my natural identity. Yes. And placed his son in me. Gotcha. Yes. And so that helps me to understand that I no longer need to pursue things that, that were offered to me from my natural birth. But God has literally made me a new creation. Yeah that all those things in regards to God have passed away Mm -hmm. and he has made me a whole new perfected being. Yeah. And and supplied you in Christ with all that pertains to life and godliness. Everything that you need is in him. And I, you know, I so relate in the sense that uh, trying so long and seeing even in the Western church and being on staff at churches and all that, that we try so hard to be like him without him. But the Christianity is not the imitation of Jesus. It's the actual, it's indwelling of Christ. Right. Where that life and that same spirit, that supernatural life and spirit source that raised him from the dead lives inside Mm -hmm. of you and me. And who better than he to be his expression mm-hmm. and be himself in and through 
in and through each one of us. And that's kind of what Paul was saying, right? That it pleased the Father to reveal his Son in me. Right. Yeah, I become basically just the the uh, delivery vessel yes. of the life of Christ. Yeah. And I, and I I think what's important is to understand it's not typology. It's it's a reality. Yeah, that's right. That it's not God saying I want to I want to reveal him by you behaving like him. <laughs> right. <laughs> which which you and I have already said in the brief time we've been talking, we both tried that. Well, and I think and left ev- us wanting greatly. I think all religion tries that, all mm-hmm. natural. And, you know, I've heard people say, you know, religion is bad. They hate religion. Yeah. And what I would say from my perspective is there is a scripture that says pure religion is such. So mm-hmm. what right. I will say, and this this might uh, challenge some thinking for people, but I don't believe God has a religion at all. And I don't believe God is religious. Right. I believe God is God and he's life. Right. That man's response to what he understands in his natural mind is his religion. Mm-hmm. But pure religion that's undefiled by man looks like this. Right. Caring for orphans and widows. Right. It's it's uh not self-centered. It is other centered. Yeah. It's uh knowing you're a son and yet making yourself a servant. Jesus yeah. being an example mm-hmm. for the way his life is to be lived through us. Mm-hmm. But our role is not to try to uh recreate that yeah but to re but to to get a revelation from him and to reveal that life in us amen and now this scripture makes sense yeah for it is god who works in you Mm -hmm. both to will which means to produce the desire in you see when your heart is towards god he will put a desire in you yeah the scripture says god will give you the desires of your heart he's not saying you're going to get that porsche you want <laughs> right or three houses or yeah well, he may do that i'm not yeah. opposed to any of that yeah if he wants to do that but i really think what it's saying is that god will give you a new heart yeah. he'll take out a stony heart and put a heart of flesh and that heart will lose its desire for carnality right and spring up within it this desire for righteousness for christ likeness Mm-hmm. And when we come into a greater understanding of spiritual reality, then we can walk in the light of it. Right. The problem that all of us have apart from the teacher, the, without him teaching us, we're left to our own devices. Yeah. We're left to our own intellect. Yeah. And I think it, without being condemning, that's where a lot of people have parked their ship. Mm-hmm. That they stand on what they believe about God. That's right. But I've learned that my beliefs about God have adjusted. Right. Now he's been faithful. I, I, he's been faithful through oh, yeah. all these years, and I, there's not, not everything has been wrong. Right. Amen. But when there, but I know that if I was standing on the beliefs, exactly as I did 34 years ago, I, I would be in trouble because those beliefs yeah. have adjusted. Yeah. And yet, the person of Christ has not changed. Right. And what he's doing is not changed. A lot of what changes is our availability to him, our receptivity to him, which leads me to this is a very crucial discussion that I, I feel like we need to have. You know, we don't prescript any of this. The difference between belief and faith, because this discussion begs the question, okay, I want Christ to express himself. I don't want Steve or Bill or, you know, all those who are listening who are tilting their head thinking, okay, yeah, I've probably been trying to imitate Jesus based on reading what I read in Scripture 
versus, hey, I want the life of Christ to be my life. I want that when people see me, that they see him and he's expressed. So this begs the question, how do I participate with allowing Christ's life to be expressed in and through me? And I want you to talk about the difference between belief and faith, because both of those can become a work of man, that it's my effort in my believing, it's my effort even in faith. So if you would define maybe the difference, how you see it between uh, belief and faith that really allows the life of Christ to be expressed through us. Well, I think the primary thing that I would say, and uh, I think this is a mind blower, but okay, a belief is our part okay, and faith is God's part. Amen. And yet we must participate in faith. Yeah. But we participate in his faith, the faith of God. Faith is not something that self-generated and originated with man. The Bible talks about in faith, God did things. So we know God operates in faith. And this is why I'm thankful for the understanding that I gained in my early years of of the uh, oh the, faith of the importance movement. of yeah. faith and, yeah. and and believing, but but we do go through the channel of believing. Yeah, but the difference is is that we can believe things, but have no faith in them. Yeah, but you will have faith as you believe the word of God. Mm-hmm. The Scripture says that faith comes through hearing, right? And hearing mm-hmm. by, by the, the word, word of God. God. Well, why is that? Because the reality about God is not a natural reality. God is spirit. Wow. And remember, Jesus said those who worship him, those who value him completely, those who are able to magnify him and glorify him will worship him, will value him in spirit. In truth, yeah. And spirit and truth, and that means in reality. See, our reality is really alive to most of us. (laughs) It's natural living. Right. But the apparent reality to all natural things is the spiritual realm. The natural realm didn't produce the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm produced the natural realm. Very good. So what does that mean? That means if I want to know the truth about even a natural thing, I need to look into the spiritual realm to find it. Now, I want to interject something right there because you touched on it earlier that he's bringing reality. And so much of what we frame in our believism in the world is uh, idealism. I'm, I'm framing my belief system when, in fact, Jesus, in saying he was the truth, he was saying he is reality. He was not an idealist. He wasn't a philosopher. He was bringing reality, and reality is of the of the Spirit. And I just think we fall into that because we want to believe right, and we want to believe this and this and that, but we've got to come to terms with, well, that's what he, that's what he did when he would say, truly, truly, I say to you. He's saying there's no, there's no maneuvering on this. You either receive what I'm saying and come to terms with it, or you don't. Right. And it's interesting, he even said in John 12, that if someone doesn't believe my words, I don't judge them, because the truth will judge them in the end. In other words, reality right. will uh, confront them. Sometimes today you hear in, in the world, you hear people say, I have my own per- particular truth. Oh, yeah, that's a major concept of the world today. Truth right. is relative. Yeah. It's relative to, to my experience, which is... It, it, I understand the concept, but the thing that really stabilizes me, and I would say this, especially in these times, this is a great time yeah. to be effectual as a Christian. Right. Because we don't have to have a truth. 
<laughs> Jesus said, I am the truth. We walk right. in the truth. This truth is not going to change. That's right. The Bible talks about that there was an eternal purpose that he purposed, that the Father, the Godhead purposed right. in Christ. That's not changed. Mm-hmm. It's not affected by your politics. As a matter of yeah. fact, I would say that all a lot of the struggle that occurs in, in uh, governance of countries, societies, yeah. is in general a pursuit of the governance that God has. People are looking for that they euphoric, are wonderful for yeah. place. Peace that, and yes. joy. The the problem blessing. is they uh, even with the idea of Marxism, and I'm not an expert in anything, yeah. but I've looked at them enough to to get an idea about it. And it's a euphoric idea. It's an ideological sense of perfection that all things are equal, everybody's cared for. Mm-hmm. Not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem. Mm-hmm. Humans. Right. <laughs> the carnality of humanity. Yeah. That it can never walk it out because it doesn't have the nature to do so. Right. It has a self-centered nature. Greed trumps it. Yes. Yep. All those things. When you see lust for things. When you yeah. see much of the activity that's going on today, and and I'm not just limiting it to one group or, mm-hmm. or ideology. Oh, yeah. It's oh, yeah. generally self-centered. Right. And probably the biggest crisis that comes to us even in grasping a revelation of Christ is the death to our self-centeredness. Right. Even as a Christian, that's our struggle. You know, our greatest enemy in some ways is not the enemy, the devil. It's our stinking thinking. That's right. That gives him access. I say this and it kind of, well, actually I heard Andrew Womack say this and, and it made sense to me as I thought on it was in a sense, we make the devil. Yeah. What does that mean? We give him place by some of our dumb thinking. Yeah. And we allow him access. But there's a way to deny him any That's access. That's right. He has no access except that which we allow. Yes. Yeah. And then we can actually walk, if we'll walk in the life that Christ has placed in us, his life in us as us. Yeah. And that's another thing that happens often in religious religions is that in religion, you'll see a group of people trying to believe the same things trying to look alike and act alike, right. different from the world, but so much like one another, just based upon what they believe. Yeah, And so, and that's often why people will look at them and go, well, I don't know about that. That, you know, and some of them are extreme and weird yeah. and some of them are wonderful and kind and philo- <laughs> philo- philo- philanthropic. Yes, that word, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, helpful to others. Generous, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There, yeah. there is goodness that takes place even in the natural world. Yeah. Uh, because we still have God's image in all of humanity. That's right. Yeah. But the but that thing which changes us to that place that God desires for us is not our philanthropy. It's not our good works. Right. It's his good work in us. It's the thing that he planned from before the foundation of the world, that he would place the life of the son right. that pleases him in every person that would choose to believe him and then faith would bring and produce that grace, the Christ of God. That faith then in the truth, participation with the truth would produce grace. You know, his power, grace is of him. It's his supernatural power and ability that allows you and I to do what we couldn't do apart from him, to be what we couldn't be apart from him. You alluded to it earlier. So truth, our anchor is not a truth, but the truth. And the truth was here before any of us got here. The truth will be here long after we're gone. Isn't faith receptivity to the truth? It is a way that I try to help. I, I use that term 
and I know you do also, mm. and it's to try to just help people understand that faith is not something that we produce or work up. Yeah. That it's something that we receive, that we're receptive to God's activity. Yeah. It's not our self-effort. We're not going to, you know, I, I don't think it's wrong for us to help little old ladies cross the street, mm-hmm. but if we're doing it apart from God, it makes no difference. It's annoying, right? It's religious noise. If it you do be. anything apart from the love of God, even faith to move mountains, it's right. just, uh, what do you say, a tink- tinkling brass and all that. Um, man, I was going to interject there. Yes, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, because you say faith is supernatural. It actually comes from God. It is true that when God speaks a personal word to you or to anyone listening today, when the, the rhema word comes, the Greek word for just the, you know, the relational voice of God to a human being, when he speaks personally to them, that's Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Okay, So it brings with it, because it's God's word, it brings faith with it and actually in birth activates supernatural faith from from within us not to mention it's also written that he's given each man a measure of faith even for us to believe and and trust him anyway and i just think let me throw this in here too that in our believism i think it's almost it's not trust it's more still intellectual we have to be careful about that that yeah i believe that jesus died and rose again well the demons believe that and that so so there's nothing really to that we have to move from belief as intellectualism and what I think about something. Like you said, I can believe something about something but not have faith. In other words, uh, be able to, to really trust and lay the weight of my being in, in receptivity and dependence upon God. So, so talk about faith then as receptivity. Isn't that what allows us to express uh, the life of Christ or allow him to express himself through us, I guess I would say. Yes. And I think, you know, the proof, the proof is in the pudding here. If we look okay. around at all the different people that call themselves Christians, okay, who have a multitude of belief systems, my response to that is usually, well, one of us is probably wrong or maybe both of us if we're so <laughs> different. But isn't that interesting that it's totally contrary to God's prayer, Jesus's prayer in yeah. John 17. His prayer that, hey, Father, I pray that they would be one, even as you and I are one. Hmm. I mean, that's a oneness of eternity that's perfected. And yet he says, I'm praying for that. And yet we divide ourselves all up in belief systems because we think our belief belief system is correct. Now, I'm not opposed to believing. Like I said, we come to faith through believing. But, But the faith comes to a heart that is receptive to God because the teacher that brings truth brings reality is the Holy spirit, not my intellect. Wow. And a lot of people think that like, for instance, some people would say the more, you know, the Bible, the more you will know God, not necessarily. Yeah. It's just the more, you know, the Bible. Right. Cause look at the Pharisees, I mean, right. their version of scripture. They, right. Exactly. Or university it. professors that are, you know, it's fair seminaries. That, yeah, yeah. And are teaching you things about God, but don't know God. Right. And so then, but then we get wow. to, what happens is often is that then that when I speak things like that, it creates fear in some people like, because their faith is in what they believe. I see their trust is in what they believe. And often so if true. you don't believe that way, uh, it produces fear in them that you're missing the mark or they're missing the mark. So they're right. going to fight for that. They system get mad. Of belief. 
Well, they're fighting for their own life. Yeah, because their security is in what they believe yes. instead of on whom, whom they, believe. they believe. Right. Yes. So, but but the fear is is that when I begin to talk about something that can be a has a high level of subjectivity. Hey, God said. Hey, yeah. Uh, I saw this. Uh, yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I, I get it. There there is a a level of insecurity that can come in that if you're if you're coming in your own natural desire to try to understand. Yeah. But the greatest thing that's probably helped me to to gain what I believe is revelation of Christ and who he is and what he's doing mm-hmm. has just been a sincere desire in my heart. Teach me, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, and I and not only asking him to teach me, but then believing that he will. Mm-hmm. And then I let that take time to brew. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll I'll grasp a revelation of something, but I don't immediately go out and shout that from the rooftops. Yeah, I want it to be tried. I know I'm able to misunderstand and miscommunicate. It's often my greatest concern that I often see by the Spirit things in a in a in a great clarity and reality that I struggle in my natural mind mm-hmm. to communicate. And so we have a term, in, and it's a theological term, and it's called the ontological dynamic which is the idea that when faith comes, that it has within it the power and the ability to animate the person that is believing, is receiving, is receptive to that reality. And so now we can say that it's Christ in us as us. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't always look religious. It doesn't always look identical. It, It should look like life, God's life. And, uh, I think the thing that helps me to have more openness to the idea that God's not religious. He's not trying to make us religious and have a, a just a system of belief that we adhere to and all look alike and say the same things and wear the same clothes and right. et cetera. But that when the Bible says that the, the creation itself declares the glory of God, which is a revelation of him. Yes. And when is. God made a fish, he didn't make one. When God made a, an animal, he didn't just make one. Right. It's this, the creation is so diverse. And recall that all of this is, comes from the parent reality of the spiritual realm. It didn't yeah. come into existence on its own. Right. So why do we try to put people, <laughs> Christians, into one form that looks just like the same as yeah. the other? Right. And I, no precedence for that. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, when I talk about the nature of God and, you know, who is God? Well, one of the attributes that I love to say about God is, here's what I believe about God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, yeah, to whomever he wants. <laughs> but that doesn't right. mean that God always does the same thing to all people. Sure, right. He's not hardening everyone's heart like he did Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. But people become confused by that. The only limitation that God has, and I don't know if it's a, I don't know that it's even a limitation, yeah. but that which holds him into character is his own nature. Yeah. So he doesn't do anything apart from his nature. Very good. That is the constraint. That 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 is a constraint of some source that is probably larger than my brain can comprehend. <laughs> right. And yet I trust that. Yeah. God is good. Yeah. That God is love. And I think as we get to know his nature through sitting with him, listening, receiving all those things, we become a um a better expression of who Christ is. I think that's where you were going with, we should see some similarity in love and joy and peace. Now, where it's going to 
is going to manifest different. We have different calls, uh, personalities, assignments, and giftings. But ultimately, do we see the fruit of abiding in the same vine? And I, I think for those listening, one of the things I would consider if they're if they're trying to act upon what they're hearing today as far as, hey, I I don't want to try to, you know, just imitate Jesus. I want the life of the living Christ being expressed through my body, my mind, my thoughts, my emotions, my mouth, <laughs> uh, everything. I think, number one, they need to acknowledge he's there. I think that was a big shift for me because uh, the very first book I ever wrote was called Reforma- Reformations in Prayer. Uh, because he destroyed my prayer life. <laughs> he told me, Steve, everything you pray about is self-centered. Every, I mean, you spend so much time telling me what you have need of, like I don't already know. And then he said this, you pray like I'm way off. And he literally said, Galaxy 5. I don't know what that means, but that's what I heard. You pray to me like I'm way off in Galaxy 5 somewhere, and you have not realized I'm living inside of you. And so... If you'll begin to acknowledge that I'm present with you, then we can do life together. We can do union together rather than you praying about things and hoping that I bless those things. So I think that's a real key, don't you, as far as just the acknowledgement of what Scripture says, of what the truth is, and that is that he's present in me. And if I've invited him in, I tell people all the time, because they wonder, is he really there? Well, did, did you invite him in? If, if you, was Revelation 3.20 say? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll open the door, invite me in, he'll come in. Now, as you said earlier, it is a journey of discovering that he really is there, present. We learn to hear his voice, and then we learn to even read the scripture. Thank God for scripture. It's a great way that we can hear him and get to know him with the aid of the Holy Spirit. But uh, I think I think for me, that's a huge initial thing is the acknowledgement that he's there. And then number two, living a life of calm receptivity. That, And that's why I was linking faith to receptivity, because you're the first person I ever heard say that. And that's been a number of years ago, that, f- that faith is actually our receptivity to his activity. Now, granted, it's a supernatural force at work, but... It works through consent. <laughs> He's not going to override my my free will. But as I hear his voice, as I hear the word, faith becomes active within me. And faith is not me doing religious things to get him to do something for me. Because that's a lot of what I did in church growing up. Faith is my receptivity to his internal life and presence. It is John 15, where he said, he's the vine which is source, and we're the branch. Well, I don't know any self-generative branches, do you? I don't, you know, I don't know any self-sustaining branches. No. So if I'm going to be a good branch, I need to learn how to receive and abide and live connected to him, which to me simply means I include him. He's with me all day, every day. If I'm stuck in traffic and I'm about to give a hand gesture <laughs> or, or I'm about, I want to say something, I need to include him. In that moment, he is with me. Or if I need to have a difficult talk with one of my children, I want to include him. That uh, you know, he defines abiding when he says, "For without me, you can do nothing." So abiding is just I'm not going to do anything without him. Yeah. Speak to that. What do you see in all that? 
Well, I think, <clears throat> pardon me, the thing that is uh, that I liked that I was really heading towards and I want to communicate yeah. that's really important in my under, in my mind, which is even though I am fully uh, try to make myself available to the re- to the receptivity of all he's doing. Yeah. My focus of knowing him is scripture. Okay. That's gotcha. but I do like to uh, differentiate between the word scripture and word. Jesus right, made a, a statement. fair statement. Jesus said, the, our challenge is we're very accustomed to seeing the natural world. We can comprehend natural things. We do it automatic. Our, mm-hmm. uh, even in the going back to Galatians where Paul talked about being separated from his mother's womb. You know, my parents taught me to do good, to do right, to always be kind, to do all these things. And so the natural mind is always self-efforting, even if it's trying to be good. Yeah. And so that is a huge challenge. And that's what I call the crisis of conflict that occurs when all of a sudden Christ is saying, hey, would you let me handle that in you? Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure at times, well, how do I do that? How, how does that happen? Well, faith is the avenue that allows the grace of God. The Bible says that we're saved in every way. We're saved by grace. Right, through faith. which is his activity, his freely given. A lot of lot of people see grace as a legal remedy to our problem, and it is that, but it's so much more. Yeah, but I don't walk away from the value of words. Mm-hmm. I found it interesting and exciting when I saw that the precarnate Christ referred to himself in John one as the Word. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? In the beginning <laughs> was the word. So word, he's valuable. They must be valuable. Yeah. It's in, and this is a side note, but you know, I often in some circles saw people, man, just going church to church. I, I need a word. Give me oh, a word. Oh yeah, chasing it. Yep. And I'm like, you know, God gave you a word. Yeah. There's a book full of words. That's right. And he gave you a personal word in Jesus. And here's the thing. You don't know what you think you know. There's more that you do not know than you know. That's right. You as know smart more than as you, you are, think you know. Yeah, there's yeah. more to know than you think yes. you know. And so, you know, now either I'm really slow <laughs> and, are, and I could be misinterpreting this, but I'm I'm 34 years into this and I'm still discovering right. daily revelation. Sometimes right. it's a replay. Oh, I forgot that, but that is good. I remember <laughs> that. And so there's a continuing process of keeping my mind renewed mm-hmm. that comes through Scripture. So I value scripture highly, mm-hmm. but I understand Jesus saying that my words, the words that he brings are spirit. spirit if you want to yeah. understand the spirit realm, you need to process, let that process through the scripture. Yeah. Your natural mind, reading those words, and then abiding and trusting, believing the Holy Spirit will teach you. Allow him to take you know, the, yeah. the, the cuffs off to, to That's right. allow him to speak freely into your heart and mind. Mm-hmm. And really faith is a thing of the heart mm-hmm. more than the mind. It affects the mind. That's a gr- I think that's a great way to define faith is a thing of the heart, whereas belief can be a thing of the mind. Mm-hmm. And what is he, what is he ultimately after? It is the heart, right? It is the heart, right? And even in his desire for you to have a heart, the amazing things is this is even God's grace that he has placed a new heart in us. Yeah. The challenge is not us getting a good heart. The yeah. challenge is us to know the heart he gave us. That's right. And as we know the heart he gave us, we can walk in the light of that reality. Mm-hmm. 
and we literally can walk in purity and holiness. See, when Jesus said, be holy because I'm holy, it's not because he was trying to get us to self-effort and do holy things. Yeah. He was trying to say, I made you like me. Mm-hmm. Be holy because I'm holy. That's right. You're righteous because I'm righteous. That's right. He took all the things that, that were contradictory to his desire for us. He took all those things and placed them on a cross and killed them. Yeah. But Nailed we, them to the, to the tree. Yes. All the requirements that were against us. Not just simply to appease a mad God. Yeah. But to set us free from the slaver. Amen. From that which controlled and ruled our life. And we right. are the most free you'll ever be is when you're free in him. That's right. The most you, true to what you were made for, will be the true you mm-hmm. that walks in light of who he is in you. He has not just made you like him. He's made you him. Yeah. He has, he has married us. He has placed his life. He dwells joined within himself us. to us. Right. First Corinthians six seventeen. Whoever's joined the Lord is one spirit with him. Yes. I was reminded of Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. I'm going to give you a new heart, right? I'm going to give you a brand new heart. I'll put my spirit inside you and cause you yeah. to walk uh, in my ways. Yep. And now, now we're talking about his perfection in us. Mm-hmm. And I always like to follow up because that can be a huge challenge for people who just look in the mirror and go, man, I, I don't see that in me. I'm struggling with that. Right. Please understand that there's mercy forever. <laughs> that, that God wants us and God wants us to be merciful. I want to say this because it's always been a challenge to my mind. I, I, I hunger and love fellowship with believers. Yeah. But you know how hard it is to get together with religious people. <laughs> it's, it is very hard. It's, it's easy to go to a church building, hang out in a building and hear good stuff. I'm not right. criticizing that whatsoever. I'm yeah. all for the church. But so often we struggle with just fellowship and in daily fellowship with one another. Mm-hmm. Because we hear these things like what I'm speaking. Yeah. And then we walk in the nasty now. Yep. And, and we, we don't feel it. We self-criticize. <laughs> We're our own worst enemy. And man, we got to have mercy for one another. Yeah. And realize that perfection is right. expressing itself through an imperfect, be- uh, not being, but an yeah. imperfect mind that's yeah. still being renewed. I, I tell people all the time. Uh, he wouldn't be living inside of you right now if he hadn't eradicated your sin issue. So you need to come to terms with the reality of how holy you really are. And I know you don't feel it, you don't see it, and you don't. You know, the enemy always builds his case in the natural realm. That's where he, when he beats us over the head, he will never use spirit. He will never use truth. Because those realities, that's where we are perfect. And as you said, that is the parent reality don yes and it, man if we could pray today and get the body of christ to recognize and acknowledge that the real reality the true reality is the uh the spirit and truth realm that that's what god uses when he builds his case yes. of who steve is who bill is who janice is you know all those that are listening that are in christ that is our real identity that is the real reality and and I get it. I think you and I, have, we've talked about a little bit that I don't always feel that way. I don't even always act that way. But the life that's in me is perfect. Right. And it's simply being expressed through an earthen vessel 
that has its weakness. But, you know, even Jesus told the Apostle Paul, hey, in your weakness, I'm I'm made strong. You know, and so Paul, he was like, well, I'm going to boast in how weak mm-hmm. I am then. So that what? So that the power of Christ, dunamis, the dunamis power of Christ's spirit would be revealed in and through him. And I, I think... I think we lose sight of that sometimes, that God leans in uh, to our weakness, you know, that he can be magnified. Often, uh, the enemy hands us the sin bat, and we beat ourselves with it. Right. He doesn't have to beat us. Yeah. He offers it to us. We take it, and we pound ourselves with it, and it just comes through ignorance. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem right to our natural mind. Right. This is too good to be true. Mm -hmm. There's There's a scripture over in Hebrews that says, referring to covenants, yeah. And and offerings. If the first offering had been effectual, that there would be no more consciousness of sin. Of sin. Now, how many yeah. of us are conscious of sin? Everybody. <laughs> and then was Jesus not effectual? Was he just only as good? Well, no, as that's the first his that's offering? his point, right? Is it I think Jesus was more effectual than the first. So then why yeah. are you hanging out hanging out with sin thought all the time? Yeah. Sin management. It will hang out with righteous consciousness. <laughs> Sin will take its rightful place. Underneath our feet. Under our feet. <laughs> right. Dead, dead on the cross. Yeah. That's why Jesus came, to set us free from that. We'll never become free. My goodness. By struggling with it. We'll walk in freedom when we realize he's defeated it. Mm-hmm. Well, brother, you're just, you're, you're, you know, you're underestimating the power of sin. No, brother, sister, you're underestimating the power of God. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. It's a greater power. It's the it's ultimate. Power. It's the real freedom mm-hmm. uh, that comes through our receptivity to him. So I think with that, are you not saying that maybe where our emphasis has been on our behavior, it really needs to be on Christ, our emphasis, our perspective. Uh, you you said sin consciousness. We need to have a consciousness of Christ in us, who he is, who we are in him. I know we didn't earn it. I know that. I didn't deserve it. That's why I can offer it to anybody I meet <laughs> because yes. I'm well aware of my own deficiency. Yep. So I didn't deserve it, but he gave it anyway yes. as a free gift. And I love that you touched on Hebrews, that is this is this offering not sufficient? It is. He's not coming back down to die for our sins. I love that about Hebrews because he talks about how in the the old covenant, the first covenant, they had to do those every year as really a reminder of how sinful they were. Yeah. But Christ comes as the Lamb of God one time for all time. And he doesn't come back down here and die for our sin when we commit one. Why? Because it's finished. It's done. And, yeah. you know, I'll, I know I've had these thoughts and struggle with these also, which is I know that when I when I received Jesus as Savior, he forgave all my sins. You know, that was my, at that moment, experience. Yeah. But then this concept will come up, man, I sinned again. I'm a believer and I sinned again. Yeah. Will he really forgive that? And so the question is, does he forgive future sin? Yeah. Has to. Well, brother, sister, every sin you ever done was a future sin. <laughs> we weren't even here when we he died here. for us. He died once for all forever. We're living the future right now. We're living that future. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Man, that is powerful. I want you to pray. I want you to pray for those listening today because this this is a powerful, life-changing truth. You know, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And we've got to move away from ourself and sin consciousness 
into Christ's life consciousness. So I want you, we're going to just kind of wrap up here, but man, I want you to pray for those that are listening, uh, just however the Lord leads you to pray. So Father, I am so grateful for you and for your word and for Jesus and for the Holy Spirit. And I do pray for all those that are listening, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened to know the glory of God that's been placed within them and to walk in the light of that and to walk in real freedom, true freedom, unhindered by sin because they've understood they're receptive to the life of God in them. And let's also be merciful to one another. Help us to walk in your graciousness and love towards one another. Yes, Lord. It's the way that that the planet will see you. And we pray that he does see you through us. So live your life in us as we're receptive to it. And we thank you, God. We love you. And we know that it's because you first loved us. Amen. Amen.